Tactic. The Get Up and Get Going South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in third and final hour here on Friday. And that means it is time for our weekly check-in with New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad. And joining her this morning, we have Ward 2 Councilor Maria Giesa. Good morning, Councilors. How are you? Good morning, Tim. And uh, it's, it's, it's already here, what, almost the end of September. I can't believe how quickly the time has passed. This month has flown by. So... I, I have to say, you know, all the things that have been coming at you guys the last couple of weeks or so, you've got, you know, whatever summer vacation you had from business, it seems like things are kicking into high gear now. Tim, I, I can't even believe it's 2023. Well, it's not for much longer, so. <laughs> yeah, actually, the party is over, that's for sure. It has been, it's been a crazy two months. And add to that the fact that, um, you know, it's so dark already, so early at night. It's so depressing. It's awful. <laughs> I mean, I I like it. I don't know how you feel, Councilor Giesta. I like the the fall in the air. Oh, it's my favorite time of the year. I, I, I agree with Councilor Morad that I don't like it getting dark so early, but I do love the fall. I love the, um, you know, the coolness outside. You can go for a nice walk and not worry about uh, being sweaty. And But... I, I like the fall. I like the winter. Um, I mean, I like all the seasons, but particularly the fall. I completely agree. It's nice to stay home and and just chill out and eat some nice, uh, you know, soupage, as we say, soup, um, and just chill out with your family and your pets and, you know, do a lot of reading. So I, I enjoy the fall immensely. And Papa, when, when do you have time <laughs> to go out and... And, uh, and read. Um, the last two weeks have been crazy. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm one of those people that I stay up really late and I get up really early and then it catches up to me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I love to read. Um, so, uh, you know, and of course I have my mom um, who uh, has had some medical issues the last few months so that's been um a challenge as many families face with uh, uh elderly parents so mm-hmm. i'm lucky that i can be here with her well you know so. speaking speaking of homes i want to ask you council president morad this was something that came up yesterday in uh, in conversation with a caller and uh the so as you pointed out to me the housing forum that was planned could not be held because they, there wasn't a quorum of counselors because there was a traffic commission meeting that ran late. Can you just kind of explain to everybody kind of how that, what happened and how that all shook out? Yes. Um, the traffic commission meets on Wednesday at six o'clock, uh, third Wednesday of the month. And generally, generally the traffic commission agenda is over in, you know, less than an hour. And so council Burgo felt comfortable, um, uh, doing the meeting or at seven o'clock because we we assumed like always that the traffic commission would be over. Now we have 
per statute, we have two counselors who are assigned to the traffic commission, uh, Council Gomes and Councilor Markey. So you're down two already. And we had a couple of counselors who had submitted letters indicating that they wouldn't be available. Um, they were attending neighborhood meetings. And again, summer's over now. Most of these neighborhood meetings paused for the month of July and August. So it's generally important that the ward counselor attends you know, the September meeting. So we had that situation as well. So we needed the remaining counselors to make quorum. And unfortunately, myself, um, Councillor Carney and Councillor Lima were at, were at the Traffic Commission meeting with issues that needed to be addressed. The Traffic Commission will not hear those items unless the sponsor of the item is in attendance, and all of us were sponsoring items. And the, the meeting just went really long, and throughout the entire Traffic Commission meeting, I was texting Councillor Burgo to let him know where we were on the agenda, and he was doing his best to hold the meeting as long as we could so that, you know, we could come across the street and have quorum so we could move forward. And most of the people in the chamber were very comfortable uh, with waiting. He was telling them what was going on. However, there was one person in the chamber who was causing trouble. Um, it's somebody who always causes trouble in the chamber and agitating and, um, you know, making the people in the chamber uncomfortable. When I came across the street, uh, just a little bit after uh, 20 after 7, um, you know, people were in the lobby telling me, uh, who is that person? You know, I'm afraid of him. And I was like, there's no reason for you to be afraid. Uh, please come back. We're going to reschedule this. So uh, Council Burgo and Dennis uh, Clerk Lawrence managed to get everybody's name. We have now an address and phone number. We have now rescheduled the meeting for the 10th of October. We hope all those folks will come back so we can hear this again. But it was a very unfortunate situation. This doesn't normally happen to us. But as we've discussed on your show many times, um, the council's job is just not the second and the fourth Thursday of the month. We're, we're, at, we're required at many meetings. And we always try to manage it so that you know, we don't run into this situation. Unfortunately, that happened to us this week. So, yeah, and it's it sounds to me like everything was kind of done to make sure you could do both. And when you can't do both, I think, you know, you'll have even more people now showing up for uh, the rescheduled meeting. And yeah, we hope so. Yeah, we hope so. Speaking yeah, of meetings, I, I was at I was at the meeting. Um, so Council Virgo did a very good job in maintaining uh, the decorum of the chamber. But unfortunately, as Council Mora had said, uh, we had this one person who. Um, always has to, um, you know, disrupt things. But people understood, um, as Council Morad said, you know, we, we attend many meetings. And unfortunately, the traffic meeting lasted longer than what was expected. So uh, we're going to reschedule, as Councilor Burgo has already, reschedule the next affordable housing uh, committee meeting. And uh, we expect these people to come back and uh, speak. Um, so it was, you know, it was unfortunate, but um, it's going to work out in the end. Well, speaking of uh, of meetings and, and housing, um, I know that we had talked a little bit about what we could expect last week with the meeting regarding the sober houses, but uh, Council President Moore, what actually went down in that meeting and, and, and what was kind of the tone and the tenor of it? Um, so that was a great meeting. Um, the chamber was full. Uh, for those of you who 
uh, criticize us about the balcony. The balcony was open. The people that were in the balcony remained seated, uh, which is what we want right now until we can get either the railing or the plexiglass up. And um, it was packed. And uh, several people gave testimony at the um, at the uh, podium. Irene Shaw, one of the members of that neighborhood group, did a presentation regarding where we are and what we know at this point about the operators of the two houses. Um, uh, the operator of the owner operator of the Ash Street property was not in attendance. However, the owner operator of the Hawthorne Street was in attendance. And they took questions from the body, questions from the people. Uh, they, you may not agree with it being located there, but I think people walked out of that room. Councilor Jeff, you can make your comments as well, knowing what to expect if, in fact, that project moves forward. And it does appear that that project will move forward there. In addition, they answered questions about the other locations they have in the city. I think they said they have they have locations in a cushionette. Um, the Haven, and I think they said, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, I have to go look at my notes, I think they said they had 13 locations between the Bedford, the Haven, and the Cushnet. And um, they answered questions about their other facilities as well. Uh, they left their cards and their information, and they, uh, you know, offered people to have a conversation. One of the properties they operate is a problem property in my neighborhood. After the meeting, um, one of the presenters gave me her card and indicated that she would like to have Councilor Markey and I and the surrounding neighbors join her and the house manager um, at a subsequent meeting so we could work out some of the issues that continue with that property. Now, Councilor Jess, did you want to add in? Yes. Um, again, I think it was a, a great informative meeting. And as you know, I, I truly love hearing from the residents when something is going on in their neighborhood. It's very important that uh, people stand up either for or against a project. And it was very good to see so many people come out and talk about these sober houses and either their support or concern for having these in a residential area. But as Councillor Morad said, you know, there are sober houses throughout the city and the area and um, I think if it's run correctly and maintained correctly um, you know it, it's a part of our life unfortunately and but it was good to see everybody come out it was good to listen I think it's very important to listen to what the neighbors were saying um, and I hope that going forward there'll be more information and more dialogue so you know that's what we're here for is to listen to what people do or don't want in their neighborhoods. And uh, I get it. I completely understand uh, where the neighbors are coming from, but these are uh, groups and organizations that exist and they exist for a reason. And that's because we're having a huge crisis, not only in New Bedford, but throughout the country uh, regarding drug addiction, and alcohol addiction. So something needs to be done. Um, so. and, and it seems like, you know, people are compassionate about the reason for it. They're just concerned right. about, you know, the management of it. They're just concerned about, how, you know, because as, uh, as, as Chris McCarthy's been saying, you know, you could have one in your neighborhood and if it's very well run, you don't even know it's there. If it's not right. well run, you're very aware of it. Right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, I, I have a few in war two, um, 
And I can guarantee you that many people don't know that they're there. Um, some of them that you do. But I th- I, you said the exact, you know, the perfect thing, and that is that they're run and managed correctly and well. Most people don't know that they exist. But, um, again, people have the right that live in the neighborhood, you know, to stand up and say, I don't want this there. And then you say, okay, where do you want it? Um, it's throughout the city. And it's an unfortunate reality, not only for New Bedford, but throughout the country. So I, I think it was a very good discussion. Uh, I think people um, were very realistic about uh, what will happen there. And we'll go from there and see what happens. I think Councilor Morad, maybe she can speak more to, about it, came up with um, a couple of good ideas of how we could go, go, uh, go forward. Yeah. You know, regarding <laughs> zoning. I believe that was you, Councilor yeah. Morad. Right. Yep. 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 Um, and you know, uh, it was a long session, Tim. Uh, we were in the chamber till almost nine thirty, um, and in the entire time, it was, again, a very good conversation. Everyone was attentive. There was no yelling out when you know you didn't agree with something that was being presented. Um, you know, I'm, I was very thankful for the session. I'm hoping that the knit band session that we have coming up this coming week, that one we're holding at Keith, because we expect a lot more people than we had uh, the other night. I'm just hoping that that session is the same, that everybody comes, they'll be given their ability to speak, we'll, we'll not cut anybody off, we'll continue the meeting until everybody has had their say, and if somebody needs to come back up because they forgot something, you know, we're going to entertain that, and we'll, uh, you know, hopefully have another good session like that on Tuesday night. And then also there was a, an ordinance committee meeting that uh, quite a bit of business was conducted at Council President Morad. Yep. Um, for several years now, the administration has been asking us to consider setting sewer rates for multiple years versus looking at the budget of the Department of Public Infrastructure every year, looking what the debt service demands are, and then setting the uh, sewer rate on an annual basis. Uh, several of us recognize, well, we all recognize that, you know, we're going to need to increase sewer rates as we have to do these mandated projects, mandated with no money from the federal government. Uh, but, you know, we, we're not, several of us are not comfortable setting multiple year sewer rates because something could happen. It's almost like asking us to set the tax rate in advance for two or three years. And um, I'm not comfortable with that. Several of us are not. So we declined the uh, uh, recommendation to do that. I'm sure Commissioner Pont wasn't happy about that, but hopefully he understood the rationale and the debate that was on the council floor. Uh, there was, uh, there, we in doing, uh, in looking at the ordinance for setting the sewer rates, we realized that many years ago the city used to bill sewer and water rates quarterly, um, but we now bill monthly. We do that because obviously um, the rates have gone up and. We want people to be able to pay on a monthly basis versus getting a huge bill at the end of a quarter. Uh, but the ordinance reflected that we, you know, bill on a quarterly basis. So we, um, as we were doing the review, we changed the language to reflect the way we operate. Uh, there was a request on the part of the administration to change the composition and the number of commissioners on the airport commission. It was a good discussion with Scott Service and the uh, chairman of the, ordinance, of the airport commission, 
Mount Preventia, and the uh, council moves forward with their recommendations. There was one other item on that agenda. I can't remember. Um, Councilor Jeff, do you remember what it was? I barely remember my name. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was... Oh. There was discussion about um, changing the city code for the administrative assistant to the Board of Assessors being a city resident. Thank you. Yep, thank you. Um, yeah, we, uh, back in the 1990s, the assessor's department was a mess. And um, at that time, the council changed the ordinance and asked that the, demanded that the assessors, the administrative assistant to the assessor uh, be a New Bedford resident. And we were asked to change that so that we could grab from a pool outside of the city. The residency requirement um, and the 10% reduction will remain if the person we hire for that position doesn't live in the city and they accept the position, they will still have a 10% reduction in their pay. But we are allowed now to, the assessor's department is allowed to look for candidates that don't reside in the city. So. Um, it, it broadens the pool, and, and Mike Gardney was with us. He indicated that there are several people who we have who have interest in the position, but they they understand that they'll have the residency requirement salary reduction, but they don't want to move to the city. So hopefully, this will help with that. And, uh, I, and Councillor Jess, any thoughts on on any of the things that were no, part I of that meeting? I completely agree with what Councillor Morad just said. I think it's it's important that we expand the pool of people that. Um, you know, can come and, and do the job. And, um, you know, I, I think we did a very good job on that. So I completely agree with what she said. And, and I voted. And I, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, and Tim, you know, I, I, if I'm fortunate enough to return to the city council um, in the for, after the election in November, I'm going to open the discussion one more time with the administration about lifting the residency requirement in the city. Um, because, you know, and therefore, you know, people can come and work for us and be paid a, a living wage, paid at the wage, no, no salary reduction. All, all employees, AFNI, police, fire, and unit C. Um, you know, the administration has been uh, opposed to that, and I'm going to open the discussion again. I believe there are the votes in the council to make that recommendation, but, you know, the administration would veto it, you know, we'll be back in the same position all over again. So I think it's worth another conversation. And after the election, it would be my intention to raise it again. All right. Well, we'll definitely be following along with that. And, and Councilor Giesta, I know there's an important meeting coming up uh, in your ward on, on Monday. Yeah, there, there are going to be a couple of meetings well, throughout all the wards. Um, my meeting is the first, uh, which will be Monday at from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at the Wilkes Library meeting room. And what it is, the city of New Bedford um, wants public input uh, from the residents about how we can be better prepared for, you know, hazards like flooding and hurricanes and severe storms. And um, so um, Michelle Paul, who's the director of Resilience and Environmental Stewardship, Brian Nobriga, the director of Emergency Management, and Sean Side, who's a, a city engineer for DPI, they're holding these community meetings because they want to hear from the residents and get ideas from them how we can uh, do this better, how we can manage and be prepared for such hazards. So I highly recommend not only the residents of Ward 2, but everyone come to the meetings. 
Um, I'd be happy, Tim, to send you, or I can, uh, you know, say it now, the other dates, or I can send you those dates, and you can post them on your website, however you'd like to do it. But Ward 2 is this Monday, September 25th, and it's from 6 to 7.30 at Wilkes Library Meeting Room. All right. Well, uh, we will certainly... I'm sorry, go ahead, Council President Moore. No, I'm going to say I hope there's a good turnout at not only that meeting, but all of them. We haven't done a citywide uh, risk mitigation uh, review for a while now. So, again, it's time to update it, not only for the current conditions that we see um, weather-wise and uh, emergency-wise, but also to make sure that the plan reflects the way we operate. All right, well, and we, it's great that the city is having this, right? You know, they want to hear from the residents, which is always a good thing. Yeah. So um, I hope that people do come out on Monday. Uh, I will be there, and I hope that my other colleagues, some of my colleagues, will also be there. So please come. All right. And uh, next week, uh, Council President Moore, you'll be joined by Council Oliver. I will. Yep, the newbie. All right. Not newbie anymore. You can hit the ground running. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Looking forward to that. Thank you both for joining us today, and I hope that you both have a great weekend. You too. Thank you for the opportunity. All right, take care. That is New Bedford City Council President Linda Morad and Ward 2 Council Maria Giesta. Got to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with the news. Tom. All right, now it is. It does matter, because they do this all the time, some of the councilors. They misrepresent the facts and make the other people look bad. That's why they keep saying, we want your opinions. So when we speak, if they don't like you, they nailed you, okay? So you was just proving that she lied on your program. 7.20, she said. The meeting over at the library didn't get done because they talked to her after 7.40. All right. So, well, which, um, we've, we've, million times. we've got your opposition now on the record, too. Thank you. All right. Have a good day. I got to take a break. Uh, we will take more phone calls. 508-996-0500. I will say this, though. Some of you that are sending in app chat messages, you're, you're just, you're sick. Really. You're sick. It, it, it's okay to disagree. And, you know, you can call in and disagree with me instead of hiding behind the, the keyboard and typing stupid insults, which, again, I remind you all that they have now installed a block button on app chat. So if you're not going to use it respectfully, we don't have any reason to allow you to keep sending in messages. So just keep that in mind when you're sending it in. App chat is designed to be things that we could actually, you know, read on the air. And if it wouldn't be something that we would say have that you would say on the air, don't send it via app chat. That's all. All right, going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> Ready to let go the Patriots' chances in the AFC East? Not quite yet. They've only had one division game so far, and their next one comes up this Sunday when they visit the New York Jets. And we will have the action right here on WBSM for you. Kickoff is at 1 p.m., which means that the pregame here on WBSM begins at 10 a.m. And it's great to have football back. It's great to have this fall weather back. It's going to be a wet weekend, but. 
what else are you going to do, right? You're going to be working in your home workshop or whatever it is that you're doing when it's a rainy day. Turn on the radio and listen to the New England Patriots. All the Patriots action all season long here on WBSM is brought to you by Shooting Supply, Primacare, and D&J Enterprises. So uh, we will uh, hope that the Patriots can get there. They should be able to beat the Jets. I mean, we're not talking. This isn't the Aaron Rodgers Jets that lasted for, you know, 38 seconds, whatever it was. Uh, but um, it's funny because that one one series led to an entire season's worth of fun memes and, uh, and, and videos. So keep those coming because uh, I can't get enough of them. And again, I shouldn't laugh at somebody else's misfortune. But uh, when it's Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, eh, I don't feel nearly as bad about it. 508-996-0500. So, again, uh, and we'll talk more about this with Jack on Monday, um, along with, you know, other things that we'll talk about when we turn on the light. But New Bedford Light has a, a, a great piece that was written by Grace Ferguson, who is their housing reporter. And it talks about the 570 New Bedford homes that are sitting vacant and that there is going to be a new position that will work under Josh Amaral in the city's housing of office and community development, and that this person's task will be to, basically the title would be Vacant Property Development Manager. They will work with property owners, developers, banks, courts, and other city departments to bring vacant properties back into use. So there's 399 properties that are on the vacant building registry, that have been vacant for at least three years. Dozens have been vacant for more than a decade. And there's about 350 of those that are houses or apartment buildings. So not just, you know, businesses or municipal buildings that could be turned into housing, but also these are just 350 of those are actual houses or apartment buildings already. So the fact that um, they're going to now be working to try to get these back to to, to the point where they can be places that people can move into is a huge win if if they can move forward with that. Again, it depends on each situation. You're going to have people who are uh, holding on to these properties for whatever reason. You're going to have people who might not have them. You know, they, they want to be able to, to get them in line themselves. They want to get them uh, cleaned up. They want to get them so that they can actually turn them into rental properties on their own, but they just don't have the funds right now to be able to get them up to code. And um, so we're going to see a lot of those properties, you know, at least get answers to the questions. That's that's what's going to be the difference here is instead of just sitting there languishing and sitting there empty, at least there'll be a status update as to what's going on. So I think that just having someone in that position will be a huge win because you don't have the question marks anymore because city government doesn't have with the people that are there and, and with Josh Amaral's office now, they're making calls. They're trying to find out about this. Uh, but as the New Bedford Light story reports, the person who is doing it only can spend about one day a week working on that. Having a person who does it full time will help get down to the, you know, the nitty gritty of all that. Now, the question becomes, if, if you hit some of these roadblocks, then where does it go from there? So if the roadblock is, you know, a person who owns it but just doesn't want to do anything with it. They're happy to let it sit vacant. They don't want to sell it. They don't want to turn it into anything. You know, I don't think there's much that you can do about that, but I would bet that there's a lot of instances where, you know, maybe a bank has 
control of it, but they just haven't spent the time to list it and to try to get it sold. And maybe this this can this person, this this position can come in and, and help facilitate that. Or maybe it's someone who doesn't, you know, inherited the house and doesn't understand anything about what to do and says, you know what, I'd, I'd like to not have it, but I also don't know how to go about selling it either. And then maybe that can happen. Maybe there's some probate issues that need to get cleaned up and they can try to see where it is in the process. So I think that you will see movement and probably relatively quickly, Josh Amaral is quoted in the story as saying, you know, within six months to a year, you're starting to see the benefits of this position. And I, I think that that would be a big win to have it happen that quickly because that means within the matter of, I don't know how long it's going to take to find the person and to get them up and running, but within the course of two years, a number of these properties could be back to housing folks and giving them somewhere to live. And I know a caller called up earlier and said, well, you know, it's, it's all the illegal immigrants that are coming in here that are causing this housing crisis. It's certainly not helping, but there were issues with housing before this current wave of immigration too. And a lot of these housing issues go back probably over a decade to when people were losing their homes, people that got those subprime mortgages and were, were losing their homes and some of them never recovered. Some of them never found stable housing after that. And there's, there's, just, there's just a need for more housing. There's a need for more opportunities for people. Whether it be a place that they can rent and move into, an affordable home that they could buy. I think we're starting to see some prices come down. On homes, at least, you know, just judging on the social media posts that I see. But we are we are definitely in a position where we need to have more housing available, and this will help with that. All right, I'm going to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Uh, by the way, if you go to ppac.org, ppacri.org, rather, there's only single seats left available for tonight's Van Morrison show at the Providence Performing Arts Center, but there are still some tickets together, uh, but a low inventory of those for Sunday show. So don't waste any time. Get on over to ppacri.org or call 401-421-ARTS to get those Van Morrison tickets before they're gone. Um. And before we turn you loose for the weekend, let's check in with Eric over at the butcher shop. Good morning, Eric. How you doing? Hey, how you doing, Tim? What's going on, man? Doing all right. So what, what kind of great stuff do you have over there at the butcher shop for this weekend? Dude, you know what's going on right now? It's a time of year. Everybody's doing peppers and grapes and pickled onions and stuff like mm. that. I got a lot of that stuff coming in now. So, People are really into that stuff. Yeah, I mean, and you're right. It's the perfect time of year for it, and you can have it as a TV, to either accent a meal or just as a snack on its own, right? Yeah, everything. I got the sweet wine. I got the small pickle onions so you can pickle your own. I sell the juices. The I sell the brines. I sell the salt. I sell the, 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 the powder that goes in, the preservative. I sell everything. Wow. If you need any peppers or any of that, I got them, man. Wow, I'm gonna. You know what? Maybe I'll have to start to getting into that myself. You'll have to show me how to do it. Oh yeah, because I don't have enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I need to do. I need to go teach you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> hey, I haven't even asked you yet how to show me how to properly cook a steak here because uh, yeah, okay. I, I keep screwing it up. <laughs> There's YouTube. <laughs> that's, YouTube. That's, that's usually I what I use, yeah. I use I use YouTube. Uh, what else do you got going on this weekend? What Dude, else can I people got, grab? You know what I got? I got nice veal, uh, veal tomahawks. Mm. You, know, like veal? you like veal? I like veal. veal I do. Right. Yeah. I got veal. I got celebrity pork chops. I got ribeyes. I got, you know, the usual stuff. Nice steaks, man. A lot of nice meat. I got a lot of cooked food today. Today's a fish day. I got a lot of fish. I got uh, mackerels. I got, uh, what do you call it? 
I got some nice squad fillets. I got a lot of nice stuff, man. That sounds like the perfect day to stop in, then. All right, man. Wine and some fish. White wine and fish. That, Red that, wine with what? With uh, meat, man. Whatever people want, I got it. That sounds like a good Friday night to me, that's for sure. So everybody can stop on by the Butcher Shop, 123 Dartmouth Street in New Bedford. And as Eric, as you always say, if you don't have it, they can ask you. You'll get it for them. Yep, that's right. And I got balls. Yes. Soccer balls, he means, folks. Soccer balls, yeah. Yes. Well, and the other kind, too. But, uh, yeah. So <laughs> Jesus Christ, still on the radio. No, no, <laughs> come on. You, you you don't carry footballs or wiffle balls or any of that no, stuff? No, no, just soccer balls. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> All right, well, check out the Butcher Shop, 123 Darvis Street in New Bedford. Thank you, Eric. You have a great weekend. All right, I'll talk to you, kid. Take it easy, man. Take it Later. easy. All right, so that'll do it for me. Stay tuned. Chris and Marcus are coming up with uh, South Coast Now. They've got a great show for you, and, of course, we'll have all of our weekend programming coming up uh, and uh, the, the Patriots on Sunday, which it's nice to have a 1 o'clock Sunday Patriots game like we're supposed to, you know, and uh, that's, that's going to be the perfect fall day for me. I'm going to go out and get my pumpkin coffee, I know. Call me basic.